It's good to be back with you. We've been gone for several weeks. We've been traveling as a, as a family and have gone to many different places. And uh, we, we started off in Oklahoma, where we went to one of our uh, conventions of our tribe of churches called the Church of God. And, and then we also spent some time in, in California. And then last week, my wife was in the Dominican Republic with, uh, with the missions team. And so we've been traveling a lot. How about you guys? How many of you guys have been on the, on the move this summer at all? How many of you have gotten out of the heat at least once this summer? All right, the rest of you are just still hoping and praying that that can happen. But it's been, uh, it's been good to, to get away. It gives you some different perspectives and, and a chance to refresh and renew, but it's also great to come back. Now, when we were in Oklahoma City, one of the things that, I, as I mentioned, that we were there for is the Convention of the Church of God. Now, McDowell Mountain Community Church is an independent community church, and yet we are connected to a tribe of churches, and uh, we link together to accomplish things together that we couldn't do alone. And so we gather annually, and uh, we gathered this year in Oklahoma City where hundreds of pastors and churches came together. And it's just great to be in a place like that where you're just being inspired, you're being challenged, you're being reminded um, that one of the keys that, that we were reminded about was to be bold, to be bold as we lead, as we lead our churches, to be bold churches, and that we would reclaim the, uh, the ground that the enemy has taken, the, 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 the bad that's there, that we could come and be a voice and be a light, and just that we would be inspired to be bold. Now, in those weeks where I was gone, a lot of different things have also happened in, in our country in regards to Supreme Court rulings and, and church shootings and, and division, and now we're in the middle of this, this uh, political race that's firing up with new candidates every, every week, it seems, and and it's just a reminder, and even at that convention, one of the things we were reminded about, the thing that brings us together is that Jesus is the subject. That's what's being driven home over and over again, that, that when we focus on Jesus, we begin to really get the clarity that, that we're looking for and to get, to get that um, direction because what, what often separates us is all of our differences and opinions and ideas, and, and when we center on Jesus, there's room and there's grace for us to be different, to have different ideas and thoughts, but yet we center in on Christ and really seek his direction, and so that was a great reminder coming out of that convention. Now, during that time, I also got to have and spend some time with Matt Anderson, the previous pastor here. We were able to get a breakfast together, and it was just great to connect, to talk, to, to hear what's happening with him and Robin, and they're getting settled in well there in Oklahoma, and He's always interested to know what's happening here. They've poured a lot of love and time and energy here and, and are excited to see what's happening with this church. And so I just send you greetings from Matt and also let you know they are doing well. Now, we're in this series called God Still Speaks. And a few weeks ago, uh, Jeff Mugford began the series. And I'm always uh, so appreciative of, of the great teaching team that we have here and the great communicators that, that share God's word. And Jeff began with this idea that God still speaks courage to us, and, and just reminding us of that boldness that we have to, to be able to step out. Now, uh, last week, if you were here, uh, Christy Faye did a phenomenal job just teaching with, uh, for us about these labels that we have and how can we reclaim the identity that Christ has for us and that God wants to speak that truth into our lives. And if you happen to be here the week before that, on, uh, on 4th of July weekend, we had uh, Nate Sullivan speak for the first time. Uh, this is, uh, Nate is our communications director. He's responsible for all the great artwork and social media and any of the graphics and images that are put out. And, and this was his first time preaching here at McDowell Mountain Community, not just here at the church, ever preaching. Isn't that cool? And um, he did such a great job. I just want to, yeah, we definitely want to applaud him for that. Uh, 
I love being part of a church that, that believes in developing leaders and to give a place like this where those that have those gifts can, can flourish, can learn, can, can grow, and we all benefit, not just for their sake, but for our sake. And, and I do have uh, wanted to let you know that Nate has received uh, an awesome opportunity to continue his studies on a full scholarship to go to graduate school, to become a lead pastor, to be, prepare for ministry at seminary at APU. And so he accepted that scholarship, um, and he's going to be leaving us at the end of August, beginning of September. And so I just want you to know so you can be praying for him. And if you know anybody that does graphics in the media, um, let me know. But um, we definitely want to be, be praying for, for Nate. And, you know, we talk about multiplying. It's one of these key pieces that we've, you've been hearing us say. This is one of the ways we as a church multiply. It's to take our impact beyond these walls is what we say. And when we take leaders like Nate and they've spent time here and they've gotten to use their gifts in different ways and learn and grow and now go and take that outside of these walls, it's a good thing. And we have an intern here this summer in our student ministry, Zach, and he's not here this morning because he's with our camp uh, fourth and fifth graders and he's there. And, and so students get to come through and they get to develop and learn and then we get to send them out. And it's just a beautiful piece of what God has called us to do to multiply leaders. So we wish Nate well on his continued journeys. He'll still be with us for a few more weeks, but uh, we're grateful for, again, all the teachers that have, have worked together. Now, we are in this series, God Still Speaks. God Still Speaks. Today, I want to focus very specifically on one thing, that God still speaks direction. God still speaks direction. If you're needing direction in your life, how does God speak? And then I want to look at very specifically to how does God speak? How does he actually communicate us to us? And when people hear that, what does that really mean? So let's bow our heads in, in prayer and we'll jump into this. I want you just to pray one simple prayer this morning. I just want you to say in your spirit, God, speak to me. Lord, we're listening. Speak, we pray. Amen. Have you ever faced a major fork in the road and asked God to help you know what to do? A major fork in the road, and you've had to ask God, what do I do? Speak to me. How many of you, just show by show of hands, a major life decision that, that you were just at an impasse. How many of you would be, say right now you're probably in a season where you're needing some, some direction in your life, you're needing an answer to something that's going on? And maybe it's not even a major life decision, but it's something a little bit smaller, but you still realize a lot hinges on this, and, and how do I move forward? I'm about to tell you a story, and my first line was going to be, 20 years ago, I'm starting to feel kind of old when I say 20 years ago when I graduated college, uh, do the math, I'm 42, just to make that easy on all of you. Um, I was, uh, it was 1994, and I had just uh, finished, so 21 years, I guess. Uh, I just finished undergraduate uh, studies, and, and even going through undergrad, I was trying to decide what I wanted to do, what did I want to be, and I remember facing all those tough decisions directionally, and I'm sure some of you can relate to that, or if you have kids right now that are off to college deciding majors. Well, I finally landed on political science because I wanted to become a lawyer. I wanted to become a lawyer. And one of the things that really helped me become a lawyer is I just believed in the political process. No, I didn't. My brother-in-law um, had a bright red Porsche 944, okay? And he is a U.S. attorney, all right? And so uh, 
in order so I could drive his Porsche, uh, he would let me wash it, and then I would get to drive it. I thought that was a pretty good deal, being a college student and driving around the neighborhood like I owned the thing. And I thought, man, someday I want to be able to have a Porsche. And I wanna... but, I, but I did love the idea of, of law, and I saw what he did in, in the attorney's office, but I thought in terms of international law and, and whatnot. And so I began to prepare in that way, and I finished with a degree in political science with the... With the um, curriculum course of pre-law that I, that I graduated with. So after graduation, like anyone that wants to go into law school, I took the LSAT test and uh, got a, a decent score on it. And, but I wanted to get a little bit higher so that I could make sure I get, get into school. So I retook it. And in the meantime, the school I wanted to go to filled up all their spots. I got my test back. I turned it into them. They said, yeah, it's good enough to get in, but we're full. We're going to put you on the waiting list. I was like, okay. He said, well, you're number one on the waiting list. Don't worry. A spot always opens up. And then in the fall, then just plan on coming. And so, you know, I, I, I waited. And, and, and I remember, like, you know, July was passing. And then August was passing. And the spot never opened up. Nobody dropped. And they just, had, they just said, sorry, there's, there's no spots for you. But you'll have guaranteed admission next year. It was the first time in my life where I just I always seemed to know what the next thing was. And all of a sudden, here I sat and had no clue what was going to happen for the next year. And I remember just kind of thinking, all right, what, what, what am I going to do? I'd spent some time that summer with a good friend of mine, Andrew, and we were, um, we were just kind of talking about what to do next, and he was kicking around maybe going to Germany to this, this Bible school in Germany. And, and I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, you know, that, that might be kind of neat. It's actually a school my dad went to and graduated from. And, and so kind of on a whim, we said, I'll go if you go. Okay, I'll go if you go. Let's go. And so we decided to go to Germany. It's going to be a great year, hanging out with friends, traveling around, get to spend some time on our faith and learning things about the Bible. It was just going to be a neat a neat year. And so we set off, and, and off I went to Bible school. And enjoyed the year a lot. We traveled. We learned. We, we did lots of different things. And, and then I, I got a letter during that year from the law school and, the, and said, you know, you've been accepted. Congratulations. Uh, we need to know by whatever, you know, March 31st if you're going to uh, accept the seat. And, and I remember, like, getting excited about that. And then at the same time, as the year went, I started feeling a little bit unsure. Is that really what God has for me? Because in that course of that year, just the internal stirrings that were there, and even some that I'd had even prior uh, during my years in college, I started thinking about ministry and, and, and what would it look like to be a pastor. And to be a pastor in the next generation and to lead the next generation of churches and to think about ministry in different ways and, and fresh ways. And, and, I, and I was around other guys that were talking the same way, and I started feeling like, well, maybe, maybe I should think about being a pastor. And I just wasn't sure. And, and so I said, well, what the heck, let me at least find out. At least let's keep my options open. And so I applied to the School of Theology at Anderson University in Indiana and uh, to their, to their uh, seminary. And so I applied and eventually got a letter back from them that said, congratulations, you've been accepted to the School of Theology. We need to know if you're going to accept your seat by the end of March. So it was a great dilemma to have, but I had these two letters, acceptance letters. One was for the School of Theology and one was for law school. And it almost sounds like a setup to a bad joke, right? Do you want to be a pastor or do you want to be a lawyer? Pastor and a lawyer walking a bar, right? I mean, these are, at some level, you might say th this should be, in some ways, an easy decision because these things are so different. Like, obviously, you should feel maybe one way or the other. It's not like two very similar choices. And yet, it represented this tension for me. I didn't know what, what I should do. And I remember just feeling this anxiety and just coming to this point, and that deadline was coming closer and closer, and we're into March, and I'm realizing I've got to make a decision. And it seems like, man, the futures that these two, that, that this decision represents are two very different futures in my life. And, and just felt like, God, speak. 
God, speak. I need to know how you're directing and how you're guiding. Have you ever been there? <laughs> Major life decision, career decisions, dating decisions, marriage decisions. Should I marry this guy? Should I propose now? <laughs> Should I take this job or that job? Should I live in this neighborhood or that neighborhood? Move to this state or that state? Should we stay? Should I go? <laughs> Should I take this treatment or not treatment or no treatment? What do I do with my parents? Do we put them into this home or do we bring them to our house? Or how, What kind of care do we give them? Should we have a child? How many children should we have? We can't have children. Should we take treatments or, or take steps in fertility? I mean, all these major questions, financial, life, relational. And, and we come to these moments where we go, God, speak. I'm listening. God, give us direction. And we want clarity, right? We want some bright flashing lights. It kind of reminds me of this, uh, this video. I don't know if you, if you guys remember the movie, um, Bruce Almighty. And, uh, and, and Bruce just uh, broke up with his girlfriend, and he's seeking direction from God. Take a look. Maybe this is what you do when you scream out to God and how you want him to speak. Okay, God. You want me to talk to you? Okay, God. You want me to talk to you? I talk back. Tell me what's going on. What should I do? Give me a signal. I need your guidance, Lord. Please send me a sign. Oh, what's this joker doing now? Okay. All right. I'll try it your way. All right. Lord, I need a miracle. I'm desperate. I need your help, Lord. Please, reach into my life. Uh, what the hell? Yeah. Give me a sign. Point the way. And have you ever heard people speak, say, like, you know, God told me? God said to me? And do you ever just wonder, like, did God really say? Did, did, did God, how do you hear? How, how do you know it's not just the leftover sushi that's been in your fridge for five days? I asked my wife if that was still okay to eat, and she said, no, no, throw, throw it out. Don't do that. How do you know if it's God or just something else that you're feeling? How does God speak? Does he bring signs like that? Does he, does he just speak audibly? Well, let me hear, if you're taking notes, uh, and how does God speak? Here's the answer. However he wants to. How does God speak? However he wants to. God can use whatever way, whatever means, whatever is necessary to talk to us and to communicate to us and to let us know. And, and he can use all kinds of things. I, I went through the Bible and I was just thinking, okay, how did God speak in Scripture? We have these stories. We have all this great um, information in the Bible. How did he speak to people in, in Scripture? Well, right away in the beginning, you start off and you hear in, in, in Genesis that God spoke to Adam and Eve audibly. They heard him. Paul heard him. Others in the Bible, they heard God's voice. They heard him speak. On our graphic for this series, we have a burning bush. And we think about Moses and the burning bush, that this bush did not get consumed. And, and God's voice was there and was present. And, and, and God was speaking 
to Moses in that situation through a burning bush. Angels and dreams. We have angels throughout scriptures. Dreams. You think about Joseph and Mary and, and we think about visions and, and how like John, who wrote the book of Revelation, saw a vision and he, and he was writing these things down. He spoke through other people, through the prophets, and, and would, they would share to the people and saying God spoke, and, and so others would hear God's voice through the prophets. And then we think in terms of, um, have you ever thought about this? Did you know the story of Balaam, the donkey? God spoke through a donkey to Balaam. I mean, he was really trying to get his attention. This is one of those stories that's kind of weird. We go, really? But it just makes me think that God can speak however he wants to. And then, of course, Jesus came, and Jesus, as God's son, came, and he spoke the words of the Father, and he spoke to the people, and he taught, and they were hearing the voice of God through Jesus. And you might go, well, that's great, that's great. And in Bible times, Jesus uh, you know, spoke, and God spoke through all these different ways. And, and, man, if I could just audibly hear God's voice, that would be great. Man, if we just looked up and we saw a burning bush on top of, you know, McDowell Mountain over there, and we'd walk up and go, okay, I'm going to go hear what God has to say. And we'd go up there and be like, oh, man, that's just so, so simple and easy. He, he speaks. How come he doesn't seem to speak in that way today? Well, there are still some ways that I feel like, one, I do believe God can still speak any way he needs to to anyone at any time. But what I have seen in my own life and, and, and many people around me, that there seems to be three primary ways that I see God speak you know, to the people around me and even, and even to me. The first is this, his word. God speaks through his word. That's why we share scriptures. That's why we teach from God's word. That's why we encourage you to read your Bible, to, to open this up. Now, um, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says this, For the word of God is alive and active. The word of God is alive and active. Now, this book itself is not alive and active. It's just a book. It's paper. It's ink. It's a cover. It's beat up. But as these words are read as they're digested, as you process them, as God's Spirit speaks, life is born in them. And to know that we have the living Word of God, that's how God begins to speak through His Word. Those words come to life. The second way is available to all of us as well, and it's God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit. Look at this passage here in John chapter 14. Here's Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he's speaking to you, and he's saying this to us. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world at large cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you do because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He will teach you everything and re will remind you of everything I myself have told you. So he's saying, Jesus is saying, here's a counselor. You need guidance. You need direction. You need somebody to speak into you. You have a counselor, a resident counselor inside of you. It's God's Holy Spirit, which is alive and is moving and is speaking. He's saying he's going to guide you into truth. He's going to reveal that truth to you. He's going to remind you of everything that Jesus has told you. And so he begins to bring up those words. He begins to bring up those thoughts and those scriptures. And, and he speaks in that way. And we have access to that. The third way that I see God really speaking today, and it typically tends to be a combination of all these, but it's through other godly people. Other godly people. Now, I'm not just talking about somebody who has a good idea or some good advice or read a blog or saw, saw something on Facebook or read the latest book, but people who have, have, have committed their lives to God's word who have been walking in faith for, for, for years and who have just been, who've experienced a lot, 
can give you good guidance, can give you good advice, and, and, and many times you'll hear the voice of God through other people. And, and often what happens, and I know in my own life, even in my own call to ministry, I remember when I was still a teenager, after church one Sunday morning, a lady in the church came up to me. I, I think I was just getting ready to go into college, and, and she just said, I don't know you can do with this what you want, but, but God just gave me a word for you. It's one of those weird things like, oh, I don't know, what's this going to be? This kind of freaky? Lady, back off. No, I mean, I don't know, but, but you know, you're a teenager. You're going, what's this about? And, but she said to me, she goes, I don't know, you can do with it what you want, but, you know, and she talked to me about a call to ministry, about God calling me to ministry. And at the time, I was like, I don't, I don't know about that. But, but I remember, though, when she began to say that, something already began to stir in my spirit. I was like, I, when she said God told me something, I felt, I literally felt something in my gut kind of go, listen to this. And I believe it's God's spirit working in a way. Now, other times, you know, God might say, don't listen to that person. That was ridiculous what they just said. You know, you, it's not always crystal clear, but God works through these different channels. And what I love about this is all three of these are alive. <laughs> other people, God's word living and active, God's spirit. So we have this real active presence of God that wants to speak and nudge you in a certain way or, or move you in a certain way or give you some impressions or, or use your thoughts and your heart to guide you in, in, in different directions. And so that's how God speaks. And when I think about my own journey, and I got to this fork in the road, right, this point where I'm like wrestling through this decision, God used all three of these to help me decipher and, and, and kind of move in a, in a direction that, that he was leading me towards. And so the day is approaching. I have to make a decision. One of the first people I went to after talking with friends as well, I, I went to one of the professors. I thought surely he was going to give me some good advice. He's a professor and teaches Bible and whatnot. And, and so I told him my dilemma and I told him that, you know, what I, the decision I'm facing. And he said, well, Mark, he goes, if it's a, well, he said it in German actually. But he said, well, Mark, um, if you're deciding between going, you know, being a lawyer and being a pastor, um, I, I think you should be a lawyer. Not really what I expected to hear from a Bible professor, right? And then I thought, well, maybe he doesn't think I should be a pastor. Well, as I dug a little deeper, he just said, Mark, if it's just a decision for you, if you're just kind of making a choice between the options, then just take what seems to be a better, more lucrative life option for you. But, if you really, but, but what he did is he forced me into a mode to kind of make a decision where it felt a little more real. And I remember actually pushing back on that and almost going, hey, wait, no, wait a minute. I, I think I might... I kind of want to be a pastor, I think. And, I, and it was this, this tension. It made me even more confused, but I was, I was glad that he began to raise that issue because what he was saying is you've got to really figure out what's God calling you? What's he moving you towards? What's, what's stirring in your spirit? And I know for different people and others, that, you know, that, that same decision may go different than mine did because God is calling different people and different gifts and gift, different skills to be used in different ways. But I still wasn't sure, and so I took that advice and, and realized, okay, i got, I got to clear my head. And I remember it was one night, uh, and, and it was late, and I was just going crazy with my thoughts back and forth. And so I decided to make my way to the old town. We lived, the, the school's in a town called Fritzlar, Germany. And, and this is a historic old town. As many of the buildings are still from the 1100s, and it's just this gorgeous old town. You go into the old center of town, the small, small village square, and it's all these gray cobblestone streets in the pedestrian zone. There's an old fountain there that's been spitting water for hundreds of years. There are all these old framework houses that you kind of picture in old Germany, and, and, uh, and that was just the setting there. And I walked through that, through that town square, and I went past the St. Peter's Church that's been standing there for hundreds of years through a little gate to the side garden that led to these city walls, these, these huge city walls that are still there. 
And, and this section of city wall is probably about um, six to eight feet wide. And, and behind it, is, it's on a hill, and so it just goes down and overlooks the valley. And it was dark at night, and you could see some of the city lights. And I just began, I just began pacing back and forth on a stretch of this wall. And I'm like, you know, God, I mean, I'm crawling out, I'm praying, I'm stopping, thinking, I'm, God, what do, you, what do you want me to do? And, and, and God, if I'm a lawyer, I started rationalizing, God, if I'm a lawyer, I'm going to be a really good lawyer. And I'm going to tithe everything, I'm going to tithe 10% of what I have, I'm going to give it to the church, and I'm going to serve the church, and, and I'm going to do whatever I can for you. And, and, and just thinking through those kind of pieces. And then I remember just God began to just speak through his word to me and, and dropped, kind of deposited a scripture in my mind. And it was, it was uh, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put me first, Mark. Put me first in all these other things that you're worried about and that you want and the houses and the cars and the travel and the family and your future and direction. and Just put me first and let everything else fall into place. Okay, God, all right, God, I, I don't know, and I'm rationalizing, I'm thinking, okay, put me first. What does it look like to put God first? And as I kept talk, talking and praying, God brought another scripture to me, and it was John 10, 10. I have come to give you life to the fullest. I've come to give you life to the fullest is what Jesus says. And I began to link these two scriptures together as I'm walking back and forth, and it's like, all right, God, if I put you first, you're gonna give me life to the fullest. And I knew in that moment what that meant for me putting God first, was to, was to go into ministry. And so I was like, all right, God, I'm going to do that. And he, he seemed to bring together these two scriptures as a principle and a promise. The first principle is put God first. And if we do that, the promise is you'll have life to the fullest. Now, he didn't say what that's going to look like, what that means. I didn't even wasn't sure 100% what it all meant to put God first, but I knew in that moment it was this step. And what life to the fullest meant, I had no idea what that meant, but I knew I had my next step. And I remember just going, okay, God, I'm doing it. I'm going to go to seminary. Um, I'm all in. And, and, and I just remember this peace that came over me. And I had a different bounce in my step as I jumped off that wall, as I went back through town. I remember running back to the, the dorms and just telling my friends, guys, I'm going. I'm going to seminary. I'm going to prepare for ministry. And I just had that sense, like, this is what God wanted me to do. And it was crazy. All that confusion beforehand, the peace that came at that moment. And I acted on that, and I sent my decline letter there, acceptance letter there, and, and then I moved to, to Indiana to begin my studies there. When I think about all of this, all of these decisions, and what that looks like, and, and how do we move, you know, there was still a clear next step for me that eventually opened up, but that was it. That's all I saw in that moment was putting God first. But nothing else. I didn't know anything else. I didn't know anything about what life would look like and where it would go and what it would mean. And, and sometimes we just so badly just want to know. We want that clear sign. God speaks. Stop. Wrong way. Don't go there. Right? Detour. And, and God doesn't seem to speak to us in that way. Now, there's a man named John Kavanaugh who wanted to get direction for his life. It says he was a brilliant ethicist. I don't know what that means. I hope he's ethical. An ethicist? Does anyone know what an ethicist is? Am I the only one that doesn't know what an ethicist is? Come on, somebody help me out. Somebody who doesn't know, let's show some solidarity, doesn't know what an ethicist is. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm not the only one, and I wasn't about to look it up. Um, 
Anyway, John Kavanaugh, he wanted to find out, um, he wanted clarity for his life. He wanted direction for his life. And so what he, he did, he decided to go to a person who he thought had some great clarity. So he went to Mother Teresa in Calcutta, who worked for, uh, you know, who, who invested her life at uh, House of the Dying there in, in Calcutta. And so he, he came to her and he sought her out. And then, um, he, you know, he found her and, and she asked him, she said, what can I do for you? John said, well, would you pray for me? Well, what can, what can I pray for you about? He said, well, I, I'm really praying uh, for clarity. I mean, I came all this way because I would like to have some clarity in my life to know what I'm doing next. To his surprise, she said firmly, no, I will not do that. Thanks, Mother Teresa. I came all this way. I want direction. No, I'm not going to pray for you for that. When he asked her why, she said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. When Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have the clarity he longed for, she laughed and said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I pray that you trust God. See, we want direction. We want God to speak into us. And there comes a moment where you just have to step out and trust. But what helps me guide my steps as I think about trusting is, is God first? Am I putting God first in this situation? Or am I putting, putting other things first? Am I putting a career? Am I putting finances? Am I putting even good parts of, of family life before God? What decisions am I putting before God? If I put him first and trust him, he's going to begin to unveil the path before us. Now, I don't have a bright red Porsche 944. He didn't provide, put him first, and he didn't give me all those kinds of things. And, and now a 944 doesn't even exist. It's an old Porsche. But uh, I've got a wonderful car with 220,000 miles on it. God has provided, and I love it, and, we're, and, and it's good because it's not about those things. But it's about a piece of knowing I'm walking with God. Now, now I, you step back, and I can, you know, it's nice when I can say something like 20 years ago is I've got 20 years of hindsight now. You know, we look forward. We don't always see where this is going, but now I can look back and look back at that decision, look back at that choice, and begin to kind of go, how did God begin to weave that story? Because time and time again, I had to come back to these verses. Put God first, he'll give you life to the fullest. Put God first, give you life to the fullest. And sometimes life to the fullest meant some difficult times, some seeking times, some questioning times, some times where it was just, God, what are, you, what are you wanting to say? But always coming back to that peace and watching how God is just blessed with a family life, a great marriage, and kids. I mean, even the fact that I'm here in this church, I mean, 20 years ago, I couldn't have scripted a journey that led me here. And through the, the, the turns and the hills and the valleys, but walking and marching faithfully, God begins to unfold his direction. Put him first, life to the fullest. I don't know what God's saying to you in your situation. God can speak to you however he wants to, but maybe he'll use this word. Maybe it's these two words, this principle and this promise. Putting God first, and he'll lead you to a life that's full. Putting God first, he'll lead you to a life that's full. As you're facing some of these decisions, what does it look like to put God first for you? Now, I find it interesting when Jesus called his disciples, the first challenge he gave them is a direction challenge. He called them and he said, come and follow me. It's a direction, right? Come, follow me. Take a step towards me. Because that was the first step of obedience was a step towards Jesus. Am I going to be obedient? Am I going to follow him or am I going to walk a different direction? It's one step. Come and follow me. 
And then even years later, as the disciples walked with Jesus, and maybe they, you think they've kind of got it now, they're following Jesus, he's, he's telling them about something, and, and the disciples ask, well, Jesus, how do we know which way you're going, and how do we know how to get there? And then, John, and then Jesus says these words to them. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. So Jesus calls and he says, come follow me. And then he's essentially saying, now I'm the way. So as long as we're following Jesus, he's, he is the way. And so if you're lost and you're looking for a direction, look for Jesus and take a step towards him. Look for Jesus and take a step towards him. Put him first and watch the fullness of life begin to follow in the wake of that. Now some of you maybe have been going to church for a lot of years. Maybe you've been here You've been a part of this and you're learning good things and you're trying to, to live right and do the right things, but you've never just said and, and heeded that call when Jesus said, come and follow me, take a step and let me lead you into the kind of life that I want to lead you into. And all it begins with is a step towards Jesus. Surrendering, saying, yes, I've got to let, let go of control in my life. I want you to guide me, be my way, be my life, be my truth. And watch Jesus begin to just pour his spirit into you, to come alive in you, to be real in you. And so even if you don't have all the clarity, you don't have all the direction, you don't know all the answers, you're facing a difficult situation, there's something inside of you that you know, I have a peace because I trust Jesus. I trust where he's leading me and I trust he's leading me to good things, even if I can't see it right now. What are you dealing with? What are you facing? As we close this, this hour, this message, I want you to think about decisions, big decisions. I want you to think about little decisions, small things right now that, that maybe you're dealing with. And I want you to just ask God to speak. Now speak through your word, through, speak through your spirit, speak through others, but right now God, speak through your spirit. And as we close here and as the band leads us, we're going to uh, have an opportunity for you to respond. Maybe it's a decision you're facing and you just write it on a card and you put it on the cross as a way of saying, God, I want you to speak into this decision I'm facing. Or maybe you go light a candle on the back, in the back as a way of saying, God, I need your light to shine, your light to give guidance, to give direction to where I need to go. Let's bow our heads, and I just would love to pray for you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your truth, God, that does lead us. And, and God, I just am aware of just people here in this room, all of us, God, that we are facing different decisions. Difficult decisions, sometimes smaller decisions. But God, would you just speak and guide us. Help us to listen to your voice and our spirit, to just be open to what you have to say. Would you lead us into truth? And Father, I just love that your promise is to lead us into a full life. But there's nothing better than to walk with you through the highs and through the lows and to know that, that we are trusting you. We love you, God. We commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.